Charlie, you're such a good man, an honest man, and we all love you, and we know exactly what you're going through. I know this sounds ridiculous, and I'm not religious, but they did the same to Jesus. You're a good man, and keep going, darling. We love you. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. <sighs> Oh. They did the same to Jesus. <laughs> they did I'm sorry, it to but that uh, is is possibly mm. one of the one of the most perfect pieces of audio ever committed to tape. Because as well as it being in- incredibly funny just as a sound, I think it just sums up <laughs> the you know exactly. You know exactly that what well. that sound was, and that was Tony <laughs> hearing himself be compared to Jesus and just deep in his soul hearing it and going, mm. Mm. That's right. Wow. Oh, Stunning boy. stuff there. Stunning mm. stuff there. Mm. Just to perk us all up before we get into this. Um, welcome to Winter Vista. I'm Andrew, here with Lucy and Theo. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. I think it's safe to say we're deep in the ides of Meltdown May. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, very much. I'm ready to Meltdown. I mean, mean, yeah, the election results have come in um, right on the buzzer, pushing one and all into Meltdown May territory. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't even think of this. And thank you for bringing it to my attention, Theo, that effectively Australia has had a national meltdown. <laughs> we have <laughs> we have nationalised meltdown, May. That's some some kind of new record. Just an entire country freaking the fuck out all at the same time, um, just before the end of May. Mm-hmm. What we heard just there was a talkback caller, Heather, ringing in to speak to Tony Abbott on um, 2GB. Presumably to express her support, I guess she did seem to think that Tony Abbott was literally being crucified. Well, he is really. You know, he lost his seat. It's, he has it's been. just like what happened to Jesus. It's very, very much, very much like when after 26 years, everybody eventually just said to Jesus, just go away. Just get out of here, man. Just get out of here. Skedaddle. You very, take your big pension and go, Jesus. <laughs> God. Jesus was was famously voted out of being <laughs> Lord of the Christians. <laughs> it was just let to go and live his Ooh. life. Uh, famously, that is what occurred. I mean, in the it, context, it would be it would be great if we had to nail outgoing <laughs> politicians to a piece of wood. <laughs> Oh, so, um, yeah, but in the context of Tony, I feel like it's actually the opposite. So, um, so yeah, Tony's, Tony's lost his seat, the seat of Warringah and like everything that I'm reading now, um, is, is basically saying like he, he was, he's one of the only outliers in the sense that he's one of the only seats that the government lost. Um, it yeah, made, big time. It, mm. it made gains in a lot of places, so he was the anomaly. 
and uh, you know the word going around the party is that he he was the it, it's solely his pride and vanity that stopped him like he knew he knew he was going to lose he he which, said which himself, rules by the way <laughs> he said himself during his concession speech he was like well when we saw the wentworth by election after malcolm turnbull went and we got stomped and everything we knew that you know, we were probably going to lose here. But he said in his own concession speech, I'd rather be a loser than a quitter. And lose he did. I think I'd rather be a quitter than a loser. I, I would absolutely 100%. love... 100%. Yeah. How good would it be to just win a whole bunch of things and then see that you're about to lose and you go, nope, uh, I'm actually taking the coward's way out and quitting <laughs> before that happens. Like, oh, that's oh, the can- perfect world. You get to completely cast it and you get to tell your own story. You get to go, look, after all of these years of successfully winning elections, it's time for me to step aside, make way for some new blood. And then they lose the election and you go, oh, well, if only they had kept old election winning Tony around. I can't I can't imagine uh, having the drive to do literally anything to the point where I have to be thrown out of it. Like, I can't think of a single thing in my life where I've kind of done that to the point where everyone's like, hey, thanks, Theo, for years and years of effort in this thing, um, but actually, we can do without you and, we, like, you know, we've we've brought in somebody else. Every single thing I do, uh, as soon as I hit the peak of it, I go, I'm out. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. I'm quitting this job. <laughs> I've I've worked with people who were like... Um, the subject of loads of complaints and went through like the entire HR process of, of getting fired, you know, from, a, from like a corporate job. And number one, please don't let conservatives tell you that like, that, well, I mean, and anybody, anybody who thinks that it's like, you know, too easy to fire people or whatever, it's, it's, it's a whole thing. It's a process, unless unless thanks to John Howard, um, you work in a place with like what is it less than fifteen people. Mm-hmm. If it's less than fifteen people, you don't have to give people like notice. You don't have to don't have to tell them anything. You can just say we've decided we're firing you now. Um, but if you're in a if you're in a big place that generally has to go by the rules, then you know they've they've got to do all the normal stuff. They've got to take you aside and say please stop doing that, and then they have to you know do some like mediation and some probation type stuff and then they have to like put you on a performance management arrangement and all that sort of thing i worked with this person who went through that whole process while people around them quit and said this is specifically because i don't want to work with you <laughs> um <laughs> wow and yeah and they just they went through like this six month long process of like everyone around them saying you shouldn't be here. You're a terrible person. Um, you've been caught outright in dozens of lies. You've like doctored all this, all these emails and material at work and stuff. And they just went, well, let's see how long it takes. Let's see how long it takes you to get rid of me. And all I could ever think was like, imagine coming in day after day, just knowing that the only God. thing, the only thing everyone around you wanted was for you to turn around and get the fuck out of there and stop making everyone's life miserable but instead keep coming in day after day 
going into your HR meetings where they say, well, for another six weeks straight, you have not done your job to even the basic level of competency expected uh, until you are finally dynamited out of there at the end of a gigantically long process. And that's Tony. I actually now have a a smidgen of respect for Tony (laughs) (laughs) for for writing that out. Every day, every day, everybody going, just get out of here, you big dickhead. All the people in your own electorate walking around in shirts. Vote Tony out. So, I kind of feel like we're, we're front-loading the show with the good news. Let's be honest. I did feel that way. We need something to poke us all Th- That up, is literally the only good news. No. No? Fraser Anning also lost his seat. Mm. Yeah. That's the I only kinda, other good yeah. news. Yeah. It's I pretty feel good. Like that's, yeah. It could be worse. You're right. It could be worse. It could be worse. Say, um, uh, wild, wild conspiracy theory sovereign citizen gnome Malcolm Roberts could have been re-elected to his seat in Queensland. Oh, wait. That's what happened. Why is no one mm. talking about this? This is... I don't even know wild, what to do with this information. It? Wild. Like, the, the guy is just... I, I don't even I don't even know what to say. Like he is he is very very openly and clearly just an unhinged conspiracy theorist. Like, but by this by the same token, I mean, people are going to walk in to the booth and they're not going to number like all the way down below the line. You know, going to go one Pauline Hanson, two. Um, racist McButterbean mm. and then like just avoid go around his box and like onwards right they're going to vote above the line and then you're going to put a big old one against one nation and yeah. that's and like so I don't I really don't think there's there's a huge critical um, thought process that can be applied to um, to Malcolm Roberts getting back in beyond there was a swing towards one nation. Very small swing. There's there's all kinds of stuff happening in this election. There's a lot a lot going on. Um, but people voted for one nation, um, presumably above the line, and that's enough to get uh, Malcolm Roberts in. So I don't like want to fall back on the Mister Seventy Seven votes or or what have you. It just counts that people voted above the line for one nation in the Senate. Yeah, that's the fact of it. Yeah, and, and as long as you can keep doing that. You're going to continue getting absolute freaks. And I guess, yeah, so this this brings us to the larger issue, which is that um, somehow, somehow over the weekend, the Liberal National Party won their unwinnable election. Um, just, just incredibly depressing stuff. It really felt a lot like it was... Uh, our version of the 2016 presidential election in the States. Ab- where absolutely. And I think the comparisons go deeper than we wanted this person to get in and they didn't, right? Like, I think the the real kind of thing out of 2016 was the, the failure um, of polls and the failure of expectations, the failure of statistical analysis to see what is happening and, and to be able to react to it. Um, and the failure of campaigning as well, like the just, just putting the boots on the ground in the wrong place. Where, But we kind of saw coming into this election, obviously, um, a big swell of, of Labour support um, with, with 
news poll. Um, you know, news poll reliably put them ahead 52-48. Um, with sports bet paying out early, was it something like $1.4 million? Mm, one point which is Which is... Oh, they're very they've, funny, by the way. They lost like six. They lost like six million dollars. Five. Yeah, because well, they had to pay out both sides, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they paid out labor early, like two days early, going like, <laughs> which, like we're so confident of our political. There's some good news analysis. in all this. <laughs> well, it is so. It is so funny to see a bookie lose at both both ends. Mm-hmm. That's true, but. Yeah. But with with that, what's interesting is, like you're saying, the the polling polling has been, you know, pretty inaccurate for a while now. But one of the things I had read was like, oh, actually, like the um, the sports betting agencies that let you bet on political outcomes, which I don't really think should be a thing, but that's just me. Sure, um, that's a separate issue altogether, I guess. He's saying I belong in jail. Not for that, but um, <laughs> no, I'm uh, like I just I think it's I think it's a very strange thing, like because you know people can bet on the outcome of sports matches and what winds up happening. Uh, people, people fix wa- the outcomes of yeah, sports matches. Yeah, pe- mm. people all of a sudden have this big financial incentive to influence the outcome of a thing. So all like, and I'm not suggesting that that's happened here or anything like that. I'm just saying that as like a progression of, of that same culture. It's very weird to me. Um, there were rumors that it was uh, Malcolm Turnbull's son, Alex Turnbull, it, the, who was the punter who placed a million dollars on Labor to win. <laughs> oh, my God. We <laughs> absolutely... I, I forgot about that. And I think news organizations as a whole to kind of collectively come to terms with what has occurred absolutely have to chase this story to the end of the earth. God, I want to yes. know who this idiot is just so I guess, a million dollars so so yeah there was the whole thing that like um that you know people had sort of been saying that yeah the the sports betting agencies had actually been more reliable predictors of who was going to win an election than the traditional methods of polling and as we saw in this case the coalition had not won a single news poll since the last election mm-hmm and they still won this election. Mm. Yeah. So there was also um, apparently Labor's post-election. Labor like commented on some of its own internal polling, which said that apparently they they had like very tightly held their own internal polling, and that never showed them being above the point of being able to win. Right. So yeah, even internally they they weren't being shown any indication that they could actually win the election. And then you combine all of this with the eternal unpopularity of Bill Shorten. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess this is like you're saying, um, Theo, this is where we start to get into the parallels with like the 2016 election where much like Hillary Clinton, just just was n- never never a popular candidate. Just, But, but weirdly, without, without that weird offshoot of... Um, cult of personality either or or I would say projection right like so I think Hillary you know obviously a very bland very you know um, just extremely neoliberal machine kind of candidate and people projected all of these bizarre beliefs uh, and and actions on her that she had clearly no interest in in following up or, or doing right like she 
had no no real policies that were grassroots or or interesting but people still you know made her into this you know feminist icon with, with basically no evidence to go on so bill shorten's like that but without that weird offshoot of support as well except for um, the weird boomers on twitter except for short and sweet and love the, and labor the strange <laughs> Strange didn't, online people. Lucy, didn't they try doing a? Didn't they try doing like a hashtag on Twitter in the last week or two that was like hashtag I love Bill Shorten? Oh, I didn't even see that. That's that's oh, really upsetting. It's depressing. <laughs> just sad. And like like Theo said, it was just all like absolute hyper rusted on um, laborites that were like, yeah, we love him. Uh, yeah. Vote oh. one. Vote one. Chloe Shorten's husband. Oh boy, why did he have to wear mm. that? Why did he? I don't have think to it changed that? anything. I think that in, changed in one. everything. Can't <laughs> <laughs> have a guy, a guy that wears a like, hot vote, wife shirt. <laughs> going to vote for Labour, then he then he thinks, no, fuck women. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, just. I think I think there are a number of parallels that you want to talk to about, like broadly with this, though. Like, so one one is the is the failure of the polling, which which is you know I think. They have to really get down and, and look at, like, statistically what's going wrong. Are they choosing the wrong people? Is it is it wrong to even po- poll people over the mobile mobile phone as, like, a replacement of landline? Because they were saying, like, like previously, a decade ago, you know, or going, going back further, obviously, you would just work your way through the phone book, right? And you would right. call landline after landline, and you would reach adults because every adult had a landline, basically, or effectively. So... Mm. I don't answer my mobile phone if I don't who, know who's calling me because all I know I know is on the other end is spam callers. That's, that's I never all that's ever going to be. And I don't <laughs> think young stop. people do. Whereas, whereas I think anyone above the age of like 42 is like, they answer the phone, it's a spam call, and they're like, well, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me 400 million times. <laughs> also, still shame on you. I'm going to mm-hmm. continue answering the phone. Um. But also there's this real effect where people, I believe when you're talking to a real person on the other end, which is the case when I when I got polled. Um, oh, you've been You didn't tell us this. I got, <laughs> now, now. Um, <laughs> but um, so like when you're talking through these things to somebody on the other end, you, you're at least semi-accountable for your beliefs. You know, I think there's a certain thing where you go, well, I'm a disgusting person and I probably shouldn't admit to mm. voting for United Australia Party. Well, In the polling booth, there is no such effect. Yeah, and people people talk about the, the shy Tory effect, don't shy they? Shy Tory effect, yes. Yeah. And, and although I will say yeah, as well that like um, a friend of the show, Richard Cook, was saying that um, – he was saying like the whole narrative about all of the polling being wrong in the in the states was wrong. Yeah, but I was going to say it's also like the fact that you know Hillary Clinton won the popular vote still here. You can point to all sorts of different flaws in the electoral system here that made that result happen. Whereas Bill Shorten did not win the popular vote at all. Like the polls were completely right, wrong. A, that's right. Although, although I was, I I think isn't this more like a isn't this more a preferences thing? Because yeah, definitely. I, I was I was looking at a at like an exit poll at the end of the whole thing, which was like the primary vote was higher for the primary vote for, was higher for Labor, but um, I but saw all that. I'm not the sure preferences if it's still the case. It was really close though, and then you know the Greens got ten percent of the vote, 
and then all of the preferences from One Nation and the Palmer Party all yeah. go to all go to the Liberals. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so so I guess that that brings us to that point as well. That um, that obviously you immediately in the in the wake of this saw a whole lot of centrist Labor supporters saying. You know the classic, the classic um, third-party spoiler thing of everyone who voted for for the Greens threw their vote away, and everybody who voted who, for who is saying that I will go and punch them in the stomach. Simply untrue. All all, all the normal people you would imagine. Um, oh, God makes me mad. And well, like, sorry. Let me let me wheel back a few days then and say I went on um friend of the show Rob Rousseau's podcast um just over the weekend um which is the 49th Parahel which everybody should check out and I went on there and basically if if you'd like to go back and listen to that and hear what it sounded like just before we all had the hope crushed out of our hearts um, we did talk about a lot of exactly what we're talking about now, which is the parallels between like the US and here and Canada in terms of the the like nominally left-wing party, the theoretically left-wing party saying, oh, well, you know, we don't want to go too crazy. Let's let's have some nice mild reforms and a, and a boring, unlikable leader and and we'll try to match the right-wing rhetoric around refugees and around mm-hmm. being war hawks and all this sort of stuff and so it's it's just the classic issue it's the classic issue of we're going to try and emulate all of the things that that we think people like them for but anybody who likes the hard right wing was never going to vote for you so all you do is alienate any any sort of hard left base I don't think you get to complain that, like, you know, someone voted, put, like, one for the Greens. But, again, like we're saying, that doesn't fucking matter because if, like, a lot of people, you you voted, like, one for the Greens and two for Labor, then Labor got your vote anyway. Yeah, it's definitely not... It's I don't think it's a point that applies to Australia at all. Like, I and I don't think... I honestly don't think... Well, well Bill Shorten was a, a boring candidate from the, um, you know, absolute centre... Um, I don't think that that's necessarily what what has occurred here. Well, well, where I was going happen. with that though mm. was to say, when people complain about the the left in Australia and say, "Oh, by criticising Labor for not raising New Start mm-hmm. or for continuing to like make people self-immolate in torture camps, you were helping out the right wing." And it's like, well, the like people on the fucking right weren't gonna vote for them anyway. There's nothing wrong with trying to ask them to change some shit about their policies. Mm. But then, if you if you look at across the country, how all of the preference flow stuff worked out. Like a whole a whole bunch of seats were given to the Liberals by preference flows Further from One Nation and, and Clive yeah. Palmer. Yeah, we, and Clive yeah. Palmer went and spent fucking fifty or sixty million dollars of his own money on running all of that shit so that he could direct all of those preferences to the Liberals. He didn't yes. win a single seat. He didn't win a single seat, but he did get to return a government which is far more favourable to his business interests, and that's what he was in it for. Yeah. Um, so this sort of brings me to the next sort of parallel, which is to say that, and probably you know people that are more insider than than us, which is to say at all, um, will will probably vehemently disagree with this. But 
Um, I think that Labor really have failed to understand um, where they need to campaign and on what. And I'll tell you why. Um, which, which you know, we saw in the US with, with you know, battleground seats not visited by Hillary Clinton and, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I went... So Caitlin and I went to Mackay uh, over Christmas and we drove up, right? And this this really, I think, starts to speak to the heart of what, what happened in Queensland where we saw a gigantic swing um, towards um, both the coalition and, and you know, um, United Australian Party. Um, sorry, I mean, mostly towards One Nation and, and the UAP, right? Um, and, the, and so they've they've... Coalition have done very well in, in Queensland from those preference flows. And so driving up the coast uh, and driving in, in Mackay and all that sort of stuff, I would have seen maybe 30 or 40 billboards for, you know, mostly for uh, United Australia Party, obviously, um, you know, for One Nation and for uh, the Coalition, which were at- attack ads on Bill Shorten. And they are all attack ads that um, play to basic human um, instincts, which is tax bad, don't like Bill Shorten. And that's it. That right? pretty much sums up the, the whole election. Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I didn't see anything for Labor. I, I did not see a single billboard. I don't um, think I have that either. I, that I remember on the, way, on the way up there, right? And honestly, I think when we're, t- when we're talking about Oh well, you know, there's all this fighting amongst boomers with with uh, you know water droplets in their Twitter accounts that are like when you criticise Labor, you dr- drive people towards the coalition. That's why I think so much of this is just beyond what normal people are talking about, um, mm. and I don't I don't believe that um, any of it is any more complicated than I saw a United Australia Party ad. There was a, a th- some words on it that promised me a thing, mm-hmm. and then they went and voted. Right? Yeah. Nobody knows anything about what the United Australia Party stands for. Um, stopping, but they got three hundred. Stopping the insidious threat of China. <laughs> yeah, but they got four hundred thousand primary votes, more than One Nation. Yeah. You can what? define what One Nation is about. You can't define what what United Australia Party is about because they're not for, they're not for anything apart from saying words that will make people go and vote for them, which will direct preferences towards the coalition. That's yeah. it. I I saw some of their like ads on TV, and I saw some of their billboards. Not many, because I assumed that given where I live that um there was probably considered I saw like lots sleep. more in the country when I like visited my family I saw yeah. the billboards mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. same for me where I I have obviously not seen anything of that sort anywhere in Canberra um but when we drove where do we drive to um we drove to yeah country Victoria and so we saw uh billboards as soon as we were out in the rural areas and like yeah, and, and of the ones that I saw, they were just like, you won't have to pay tax anymore. Yeah. Uh, a car will cost half as much. They were just, they, they were just like blatant lies, you know? 
This is mm-hmm. like what won the election, though. I think this is what's most upsetting for me is realizing how much I am in a bubble, not just on a leftist bubble, but in the sense of people knowing and caring about whatever politics that whatever Absolute, side absolutely. they're on. Whereas every comment that I've read about why someone voted liberal is just they won't raise my taxes. Like it's that simple. Yeah. So we're we're sitting here and like and not just not just on the podcast, but in our own personal lives and making real like thinking. Um, and trying to do the right thing, right? Like with what we're with what we're doing, and I think people generally are as as well, but they're not necessarily approaching things in the same in the same terms. You can't. It's very difficult to write on a piece of paper like pros and cons for voting, you know, wh- whoever, and go well. I, you know, I kind of like the environment as well, but I don't like paying taxes. Like, there's not a real. Uh, um, a, a true objective process going on in in most people um, when you kind of get to the um, to the polling booth, mm. and that's that's just part of compulsory voting. That is part of Labor's problem too. I think is I would struggle to like name which policies Labor was bringing to this election yeah. directly. Which, which kind of brings me to I've got a, I've got a bit of a thesis which I think people will probably argue with in in the end. But I think I think it it's. It's lovely to um, talk about the possible groundswell of like leftist kind of support in America, right? Where we see these big um, communities of DSA members and stuff breaking out and starting to try and, you know, um, move things around and that sort of thing. But they're like a lot of people are very desperate um, in in America. A lot of people, you know, are suffering through, uh, you know, t- tens of thousands of dollars of, of insurance fees and then still having to face, a, a you know, a massive bill at the end of, you know, a health crisis and all, all this sort of stuff and not having the, a lot of the guarantees that we have in, in Australia around, you know, job security and paid leave and all, all this sort of stuff. And I'm not saying that it's perfect in Australia. And, you know, we've obviously talked a lot about, um, the rights of the unemployed and the horrible things that are going on in Centrally. But most of the people in Australia are not in that category, right? They're reasonably mm-hmm. comfortable people um, with um, kind of ideas that are more around like, you know, well, if if these are, if this franking credit come, thing comes in, I'll have to pay, you know, $2,000 more in tax. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. So there's no... It's pure self-interest. It's pure self-interest, but there's no real, like, there's not a huge piece of that pie for radical thought to come in and say, what if everyone had health care? Well, it's kind of, you know, we're not perfect, but we're most of the way there already. Um, well, I saw, um, I, yeah, I saw somebody commenting on that and saying, you know, that uh, the Labor put forward that cancer treatment package. Yeah. And they said, yeah, but not many people have cancer but they didn't try to do something like say include dental work in medicare something that affects everybody and costs everybody a bunch of money Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know so again just a thing that they could do that like everybody would look at and say this will help me and is something everyone should have access to um instead like uh, I've, i've definitely seen it put as like you know, Labor did try to tr- try to introduce a bunch of changes to different tax policies, and all of their tax policies made a loser out of somebody. Yes, all of their absolutely. tax policies were something that the coalition could point to and say, 
somebody is worse off out of this. And, you know, because, like, obviously the franking credits thing was total bullshit. Um, and and the way that they, they even framed that as labor is introducing attacks, you mm, know, they're, just they're blatant like... Re- lies, too. Yeah, flat-out lies. Um, but to the person at the end of the day, what in effect is occurring is that they are paying more tax, right? We can we can rationalize that. Well, well, uh, I suppose yeah. If you wanted if you wanted to bring it down to its absolute base elements, it is they are not receiving as much money back from the government. Therefore, they must be getting taxed in some sense. Mm. Yeah, but but I mean, we we still we we're, we're putting definitions and words around it. In the end. It is, I want money, gimme, 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 right? Like, as far as, like, you do a difference kind of, it doesn't matter whether it's coming from from um, from credits or, you know, whatever, whatever or, or like tax breaks or, or, or all this sort of stuff. It's immaterial because in, in the end, someone's going to look at that, that, you know, they're looking at their retirement, and I'm not saying that this is right. I believe that, that the Frank and Franken credits should be abolished. Um, but they're looking at their retirement. They're doing the maths on it and going, well, I will get... Because I've been set up in this fashion to produce more income, more passive income, and the maths that I've done around my lifestyle continuing on in the next 10 years requires this to be present because the whole thing's structured in this fashion. If Labor comes in and wipes this out, that's not possible anymore. Therefore, I'm going to vote for liberal. Now, this does lead me back to something that I have lamented many times before, probably on this show. Um, probably, actually, every time a budget rolls around. Which is, and I think this is something that the media has a lot of culpability for. Um, I think that the media does have a responsibility to report on you know budgets that are being proposed as you know what like what does this mean short term what does this mean long term how does this affect the populace (laughs) at large that kind of thing what is fucking miserable to me to see is now and and i feel like it's it's been like this virtually since john howard was prime minister now every time that there is a budget what like can either of you tell me what is the way that every policy is phrased or the the way that the coverage is always presented does this get us towards surplus it's it's always phrased the same way who are the winners and losers of this year's budget uh, yeah they always frame every fucking policy as Oh, if there's, mm-hmm. you know, if there's more money for school teachers, it's like, well, the school teachers are winners because they'll get this much more money every year. And if they make a cut somewhere, it's these people are the losers of this thing because they get less money. And it boils every single issue in terms of like policy down to how much money are you personally getting out of this? And I feel like that's a thing that has been been around since you know howard and yeah. kevin rudd and this all, all is just these a cultural thing in australia well like, like that's I the guess... problem we really need to address is you know i would love to just say that oh labor screwed up and labor did all these things wrong but i feel like the thing that makes me the most sad is just realizing how much self-interest is a huge thing in australia yeah i mean i think i think you know we can ask is the system broken? But as far as a representative democracy goes, 
It's probably quite accurate. Yeah, it seems pretty accurate in terms of what the general consensus is in Australia, which is once I've got mine, fuck you all, essentially. Yeah. And also, um, other places do more pollution, so we should have all of our utes. Right, because India does pollution, so Because India fine. does pollution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... Yeah, I, like I, I do completely agree. I think that I think that this is something that I think this is something that's a symptom born of Australia's however many years in a row now of of economic growth, mm. of like uninterrupted economic growth. Um, even though there there has been wage stagnation. Yeah, that's right. It shouldn't be confused with actual. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though there has been wait, like you know, significant wage stagnation over time. There's been a complete failure to, you know, raise New Start or anything like that. Again, as you as you're saying, Theo, we're we're sort of if we're talking again about the the electoral nature of it, as opposed to you know people around the fringes in different demographics. Like you said, the most people have what is one of the best living standards in the world. Um, and I think that for a lot of people, they go, oh, well, you know, my life's going okay. Sometimes uh, I struggle to get by, sometimes I don't. And if the only thing I'm getting told over and over again is, if this person gets elected, you'll have less money in your hip pocket, Yep. then I'm not going to vote for him. I think Australians and also have the problem of thinking that they're far worse off than they are. Oh, 100%. I don't meet a lot of Australians that are like, I make a comfortable living. You know, I feel like most people in Australia think that they're battling all of the time when they're on $100,000 a year. And so, anything that threatens to, like, take more money is just a huge problem, you know? Well, I think that's partly, again, that that legacy of, of John Howard, so of, like, yeah, this romanticizing the idea of the Aussie battler. Mm-hmm. And and everything's about, you know, oh, you're doing it tough and you deserve to be rewarded. And, like, I guess, yeah, just what depresses me the most about that is, like, how little of the time the conversation in our public sphere is about what should we be doing that is for the greater good of our society, that is for the yeah. good of We the don't talk about that us. much. No, we fucking don't. Like, Even, uh, like, I, mean, I think Scott I mean, Morrison's victory speech was just, he, like, specifically listed, like families buying a house getting a job buying a house it was just that same rhetoric well and yeah there is there is obviously like a, a thing that you know sort of it it is it is just made very clear i think over and over through both the way politicians speak and and the policies that they come out with that there is there is one kind of person that matters more in australia yeah and it's 100% the upper middle class yeah, it's employed. It's employed taxpaying homeowners, mm-hmm. and other people just kind of don't count. <sighs> and it's all pretty it depressing. Sucks. <laughs> so it you sucks. know, it does suck, and it's it's really hard to not just feel extremely fucking depressed about it. It's really hard to yeah to not like particularly looking at labor. You know, it's it's really hard to not just kind of despair at the idea of will there ever be like a a viable alternative to Mm. the liberals presented because at the moment it's not happening like i i don't know 
how many times they need to get stomped after presenting like the most milk toast centrist risk averse bullshit mm. with with nobody leaders like bef- yeah before well, they the, say the we need to actually leaders. differentiate ourselves on the nobody leaders front, I think we should mention, I don't think we have yet, that um, Bill Shorten has immediately st- stood down as the Labor leader. Good for uh, him. So Better a quitter are, than a loser, although he is both. <laughs> he's both. Well, he's both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got the worst of both worlds. <sighs> um, so there is currently a bit of a power vacuum, which uh, n- not quite sure how that's going to, going to shake out. Um, I think Anthony Albanese was going to it, it is challenge. All, it's, Anthony Alba, Albanese has put his hand up. Uh, he's the only one in the cont- in contention at the moment. So I guess we just have to wait and see how that um, how that plays out. Bring out and Doug Cameron. He's... Yeah. I just want. Yeah. Doug. Why not? That's mm. my only option. I guess um, I I do have just another thought on Bill Shorten as well, which is I guess. You know, I think it was it was probably also very easy for non-liberal supporters to look at the way that the that the Liberal Party has conducted itself over the previous number of years, um, the leadership changes, the constant fighting, the inability to set any kind of policy agenda because the the right wing and the moderates are constantly tearing at each other. I think it's been very easy for people who you know, watch along with politics to look at that and go, oh, well, by contrast, Labor have just had the same leader the whole time. Um, and, you know, they've kept their leadership team together and stable the whole time. They've they've had a united front this whole time. Surely, after all of this leadership bullshit of the, of the last, like, fucking decade almost, um, Surely, after all of that, people will look at that and say, "Okay, we're ready for a return to a bit of bit of stability." Um, but the reality turned out to be something different. The reality turned out to be what was staring everybody in the face the whole time, which is that the entire time that Bill Shorten has been the opposition leader, even while he was up against Tony Abbott, and while he was up against Malcolm Turnbull, and while he was up against Scott Morrison, is that he was substantially more unpopular than all of them the whole time. That's right, and the I think whole that counts. Time. That counts like way more than people um, believed it should. Um, again, this kind of comes back that people, you, you, there was this belief that you go, well, you know, people prefer Labor over Liberal, but they don't like Bill Shorten. But they'll look past that, right? And they'll think about policy, and they'll think about all this. Like hell, they will. It's no, just not true nuts for a that. lot of people. It's it's just not true. You need somebody likable. Or at least dynamic in the in the seat. You know, you want a Kevin 07 moment, mm. um, and there there is absolutely nothing that that rhymes with shorten. Uh, <laughs> it just, it's just not happening for him, as far as like, you know, being any kind of personality that people respect. It just yeah, like like I was saying. I mean, it's. It th- that specifically is one of the issues that I can look at and immediately see my own my own biases pre-election f- making me uh, making me turn to one particular assumption, and then immediately post-election I can look at it and say, ah, of course. Mm, don't we of feel course, silly? Like, Isn't there well, egg on our faces? 
how the fuck do you manage to be more unpopular than Scott Morrison and Tony Abbott? Like, I know, I know that Malcolm Turnbull was popular, just not with his own voters. But, like... Scott yeah, Morrison he, he, is truly very unpopular. That's the most fucked up part. Well, he, like... But, yeah, Bill, Bill Shorten just, just never got within, like... Yeah, he never got within, like, you know, 10 or 15 points of the same popularity of like Scott Morrison and Tony Abbott when they were at their most unpopular. I mean, wow. bo- like both of them did like all, all of them. Sorry. To- Tony Abbott. He, he lost whatever it was, 30 news polls in a row. Um, and then, and then Malcolm Turnbull lost 30 news polls in a row. Um, and then Scott Morrison didn't win a news poll the entire time since the last election. Oh wait, was he wasn't the prime minister at the last election? Okay, uh, it's so hard to keep track of. It's so hard to keep track of. But so all of these guys were unable to get their party in a, in a position of being more popular than Labor Labor at, at the two party preferred poll, and none of them were ever more unpopular than Bill Shorten. And so from you know looking at it in retrospect, looking at Labor and saying, you just hung on to someone who was completely unable at any stage, anywhere in there, to cut through and connect with the electorate. And Definitely a they, bad they decision. Knew it. Yeah, they knew it the whole time. So, I would yeah, have I guess. to entirely blame that. I just, I feel very sad. I feel like there is just a lot of cultural things in Australia that I'm not sure are going to change anytime soon. Yeah, and like, of course, all of the immediate kind of recriminations have begun. And while you may look and think to yourself, well, hey, maybe there will be a bit of reflection within the party. Maybe some people will say to themselves, um, let's try and figure out, you know, who, mm-hmm. who is our base? Who are we actually trying to appeal to? What kind of policies can we have that would actually I energize our base? I doubt it. All that it. kind of thing. Or... Do we need to have our own version of, like, Russian bots? Hmm, that's an and idea. clearly the answer is the second one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we had a question. We had a question that popped into our mailbag. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, we had a question here from friend of the show, Tibra. <laughs> I'll just kind of say T. Um... Can you lovely people give me some good conspiracy theories that I can turn in turn to in this time of trial? I hate to think that people voted for stability in a time of fear again. That would mean we never learn anything and are destined to repeat the cycle as things get more uncertain and chaotic. I would much rather think that a secret group of mining billionaires led by the ghost of Lang Hancock conspired to pollute the water supply in major states leading to decreased brain activity at a crucial time in the electoral cycle. Mm. Cheers to three more years of terror. Um, and of course... Uh, notorious Twitter weirdo Van Batham, who I believe is is a Labour advisor at some reasonably high level. Um, she is out there on Twitter talking about how um, she is it she's down in, she's down into the the whole like um, Cambridge Analytica type shit. Oh, okay. Um, which is that? Yeah, all oh, all the all the polling was wrong, but he's some some weirdo doing Cambridge Analytica type um, 
social media demographic targeting. And that's how they stole the election. Ah, I see. It's, um, hmm. Yeah. I think there's, we could come up with a better theory than that. <laughs> I think that, like, the conspiracy theory about that Australia is not real, it's that, but, like, Queensland's not real. Queensland's state actors, all of them, Theo and Ben included. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have anything to say to that, Theo? He doesn't. Theo's. Silence. That's just interesting to me. <laughs> Sorry. Mm, had, had it on mute. Oh, I was busy. Your was silence busy condemned my, you. I was busy putting my Steam page into uh, one of the things that calculates how long I have to beat games. Um, I believe <laughs> okay. that fluoride gives you good political opinions. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that's right. They're you taken got... out of a bunch of places in, in Queensland and everything's gotten much worse. This explains put it back in there. Just put it back in. Give people big, throbbing, fluoride brains. And strong teeth. I think that probably you can take it further, introduce more fluoride until, you know, we have some sort of uh, kinetic psychic abilities, ability to lift things with our minds and maybe, you know, tackle the big problems. Mm, massive um, ossified skulls. <laughs> <laughs> Capable of magnifying your brain waves. Mm-hmm. I think that's what happens with encephalitis. I'm not quite sure. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's not great. None of it's great. I just, I'm, I'm feeling Lucy's sentiments at this time of... Everyone in Australia who owns more than one property just sucks. Yeah, <laughs> Doesn't care about a, anyone else. That's, that's the gist of it. I don't know. Like, like you said, I think, I think that we are a, a country of... You know, relative prosperity and means and everything. And I think that that in and of itself leads people to just being more protective of their own comfort than than looking to actually advance anything. Mm-hmm. And also there's just a lot of people for who politics is just purely a background thing. Like it's meaningless to them. Yeah, it doesn't affect them in any well. way. Or, or it affects them, but they don't, they're not equipped to understand... The ways in which their life intersects yeah, with politics. Yeah, because it's not super detrimental to them. So, mm. you know, it's background noise. Yeah, it makes me think of my um, my father-in-law who's like, um, uh, he's, what is he, semi-retired now? But, um, but he's a big union guy, loves the old union organizing. And I remember him saying to me a while ago that he finds it a lot harder to get younger guys into the unions now. Um because they're all busy enjoying the conditions that all the other guys have fought for through doing strikes and yeah. Yeah, right. you know, workplace action and everything. And, you know, he would say to these guys, oh, there's, you know, there's something happening. There's something like, you know, there's something dangerous on the job site that we want them to fix. You should come and strike with us. And they'll go, oh, but I'm getting, you know, this much an hour. If I go on strike, then I'll miss out on a bit of that money. And they're like, why do you think you're getting paid that much an hour to do this job? Mm. It's because we all put in the hard work to do it. And I think, I don't know, like maybe maybe once you get sufficient distance between the level of comfort you have and the hard work it took to provide that, then it's just very easy to lose sight of. It's very easy to lose sight of and say, well, like you said, I've got mine. Everything's going fine. Nobody's bashing my door down in the climate apocalypse just yet. 
getting a hit. But it is it is extremely fucking depressing in 2019 in the country we live in that no nobody gives a fuck enough to to vote for even having like a policy that relates to dealing with climate change. This government mm-hmm. makes no pretense of the fact that like nothing. they're just doing absolutely nothing about it. I feel like they treat it with contempt, you know? They feel they're like yeah, saying absolutely. we will never do anything about climate change. Yeah, Fuck very openly change. contemptuous of it. Mm-hmm. Should we uh should we jump in and take some more questions? Please. Please. Questions. Let's see. Uh, wife of the show, Eric Stacy says, Can I have a dollar? No. Mm, I don't have a you. dollar. <laughs> I'm not going to mail you a dollar. Come on now. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, Hard-hitting questions in the mailbag today. <laughs> friend of the show, Mirza, says, who ended up taking the kids to Auskick on Sunday? <laughs> and why was it Elna? Now, we did do an election coverage live stream. And again, to draw a parallel between uh, the weekend and 2016 election, um, much like the Chapo Trap House live stream, I became the Matt Christman of the stream and accidentally became blackout drunk. I'm surprised it, it was you, to be honest. What other I'm candidates? I'm surprised it was me. Well, Ben tagged out. Ben, so there was a lot of opportunities for, um, you know, drinking to stupid stuff going on. Um, I believe Ben got up at one point and went to the toilet. And he never came back. He never made it back to the... R.I.P. Ben. R.I.P. Ben. Replaced by the beautiful George, who did an incredible job on the podcast, by the mm-hmm. way. Andrew, you may not know because you were um, blackout at the time. Um, <laughs> I, was but for, basically, I was there for some of it. I was there for Basically carried the show at the end. <laughs> oh, I, I missed a Along very... Along with your beautiful wife. Very good chunk of the end of it. Thank you to the um, real wives of the show. All uh, about George wives. For, and Jesse, Jesse got on the show. Jesse counts as the wife of the show. That's true. Um, so apologies to um, anyone that I for anything that I may or may not have said during that. Um, somebody. I did. can think of just one thing, but I oh, won't. No. I won't say it. Okay, good, <laughs> good. <laughs> um, so, email us if you want to know what that thing is. Email hey you guys at puntavista.com. Um, and, and of course, somebody on Twitter said, um, oh, I came home and tuned in uh, to, f- to see you rolling around on the floor begging uh, to be prescription drugged. And it really made my night a lot better. So, shout out to that person. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, anyway, so, the, ans- the answer Stop. is yep. nobody took the kids to Ozkick, uh because they were feeling unwell. And I was like, thank God, because I'm not getting out of bed today. I was feeling unwell the next day also. I was feeling unwell until well into the afternoon. I also, side note, while I was very hungover, I went on a different podcast called the Blue Hawaii Podcast, which is probably going to be out sometime this week when this podcast comes out. You should definitely listen to it. The Blue Hawaii Podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Friend of the show, Ben Wooler, says, In Western Australia, we use hot dog buns for democracy sausages and sausage sizzles in general. Why doesn't oh. the rest of Australia? What's with just using a slice of bread? You are all a bunch of savages. I feel like I've seen these pictures and so I was go, very so confused. Run, run me through the process. So you you go to the store, and you specifically you you already know, you already know the amount of sausage sandwiches you're going to eat. 
Yeah. Is that the case? It's, so then I'm, you go and buy hot dog buns specifically. This is a bad economic choice. They cost firstly. so much more than a loaf of bread. Yeah, the idea of the sausage sizzle is like that one dollar loaf of like Coles or Woolies bread. Yeah, you and know, you buy the you buy pricey. the you buy the big bulk tray of like the lowest quality like um, abattoir sweeping sausages, and your extremely cheap dollar a loaf Woolworths or Coles bread. Yep, and, and you wrap you get it together. the sausage in the bread, and it's a perfect solution. It cannot be improved upon. That's perfect. And then I didn't get one this year, and I will say that it's it's the perfect meal. I miss it very much. And, and like, ha- just imagine how much God, uh, that sucks. eats. It. Imagine how much that eats into your sausage sizzle profit. It really just, does, like significantly. No if you're like counting how much you're losing on each of those, mm, maybe people are willing compact. to pay more. They're not compact. You get like six in a pack. That thing's like half your freezer space. Mm. Ridiculous. Terrible Just juggling these, these hot dog buns everywhere. As I've said before, Awful. this country disgusts me right now. Lover of the show, Divex Greg, says, Who deserves all of our hot, sweaty, sticky blame? Labor. I just Fucking think it's the Australian people. Australian I think people. I think, I think if you're going to blame somebody, blame the Murdochs. Oh, the Murdochs, yeah. definitely. That's a good one. I didn't even think of the Murdochs. I think I, I really struggle with, with that one in particular because, like, on one hand, I think it becomes too much of an easy an easy out for people mentally. Like, I think that, like, you look at all the boomers on, um, you look at all the boomers on Twitter and shit, and they, they just all think that, like, that, you know, Rupert Murdoch personally phones each politician in the morning and tells them what to say, and then he phones all the editors from all of his newspapers and tells them exactly what to say and all that sort of shit. And like, he does, but go on. And like, yeah, this is this is the thing. Like, don't get me wrong. I I very very definitely believe that they run a very clear agenda that is extremely pro business and extremely in line with his his political beliefs and all that sort of stuff. But like. I don't think that they control fucking everything in the country like a bunch of people seem to. So I think the problem is that you have to assess it as a serious issue, which it is, without automatically letting it become your, oh, well, this is what's responsible for absolutely everything that takes place in our country, which a lot of people do let themselves get to the point of. People start to sound a little nutty about it, you know? Mm. But, um, but yeah, there is obviously a huge issue with the level of media control like um, an ownership that, that the Murdochs have in this country. There is obviously... Especially in Queensland where there is absolutely no viable print alternative. Yeah, yeah. And when when it is at a point where like if you are... If you walk past a news agent, if you go to a cafe, anything like that, and you see a stack of newspapers there and they all say, Bill Shorten, lying devil money thief man. Like... <laughs> Just, just constantly, just on constant blast, you know. Like for reference to like foreign listeners, I feel like it's like it's like having Fox News everywhere. Yeah, it's like like if, like if every newspaper was was distributed by Fox News. By Fox yeah. News, absolutely. It's really bad. I feel like you don't realize until you speak to like a member of your family that doesn't go on the internet and 
reads just the newspaper and watches the Channel 10 breakfast show. And that's and 100% they go, oh, the only views that they're short getting. short and bad. Mm. Carrie Ann Kennelly said this morning that, yeah. That's just, right. <laughs> just all that shit. I, I think, mm. yeah. it's a. There's a lot of blame th- to be had. <laughs> I think that, like, yeah. I think that, um, obviously, you can't blame the Liberal Party because they're just doing what they're going to do. That's just um, it's by nature horrible. horrible I'll take pe- some blame. I feel very naive. I feel very much like I missed a huge portion of why things are the way they are at this point. Yeah, just just like we keep saying, it's that comparison in twenty sixteen where just everybody was like, "Well, there's no way that person's going to get voted in." This is going to be a slam dunk. They're going to mm-hmm. they're going to just sleepwalk through this, and Labor were talking about it like they were going to as well. And and I I just looking at it, I was like, after everything we've seen out of this government over the last several years, how can you imagine anyone voting for them? anyone like, imagine- voting for me? Like just they they didn't offer anything positive. No, well, not just not just anything positive. They didn't offer anything full stop, like. The, All the they offered was, campaign. we won't take your money away. That's literally it. The entire campaign was them saying, here's all the things that Labor want to do, and we're not going to do those things. Um, I'm trying not to remember Labor offered significantly more, but, you know. Well, I mean, like, I'm trying to remember who I was reading a, a piece by. It might have been, like, uh, Ross Gittins or something, saying, um, like... You know, maybe this is, uh, maybe they'll wind up finding that, you know, oh, here it is. Uh, Morrison's miracle election may turn out to be the easy bit. And yeah, what, and all, he's, all he's saying is that like, they they found out that they didn't have to do anything. I'll just read a little bit from it here. Mm. Um, the first lesson politicians will learn is that disunity doesn't have to be death. Almost six years of fighting like Kilkenny cats can be forgotten during the eternity of a five-week election campaign, provided you put all the focus on the latest guy and his predecessors are kept hidden. The second lesson the police will learn is that the only safe strategy for oppositions is to make themselves a small target with only a few popular policies, so all the focus is on the failings of the government. Whatever policy changes you may be thinking of making, keep your intentions to yourself and don't, whatever you do, seek a mandate for change. Almost 28 years of continuous growth have rendered Australians a timorous nation. No national emergency, no need for change. As Kevin Rudd was the last Labour leader to understand, what voters crave is change without change. Promise it. Since such a thing is impossible, deliver something else. Expect a backlash. Politicians have understood all this since Dr. John Hewson, whose PhD said knows more about economics and politics, used fight back, the longest suicide note in history, to lose the unlosable election in 1993. <laughs> Labour forgot this because it wanted to be seen as less negative and destructive than Tony Abbott, and because, knowing Shorten lacked charisma, it decided policy substance was the best substitute. As it turned out, wrong. <sighs> That's it. In this that year, pretty much sums it up. <laughs> yeah, I, like, it's a... Pretty good piece. Morrison spent five weeks performing for the cameras to the exclusion of all others, and the electorate warmed to what it saw. Perhaps what Labor needs is a casting director. The third lesson the pollies will learn is that the eternal reality of conflict between the classes must always remain covert. 
Any overt attack on privilege does more to fire up the defenses of the well-off than to whet the appetites of those missing out. In this country, the only envy that works is the downward variety. Envy the jobless for being able to eat without working, or the indigenous for the extra help they get? Sure. This government has spent its time beating up on boat people, public servants, and those on welfare, and in the process has gained more votes than it's lost. The well-off may have benefited from a lot more good luck, as I have, than it suits them to admit, but they are adept at convincing the punters that an attack on my $5 is an attack on your $0.05. Cents. Whew, wow. Yep. Pointing envy downwards, that is, that's, yep. That uh, kind that of sums it, up, mm-hmm. sums it up all pretty nicely. But uh, just to round out the piece, he does say, In this election, it was the Morrison government that made itself a small target, so all the focus would be on Labor's perceived policy losers. Believing he had nothing to lose, Morrison staked everything on offering the world's most expensive tax cuts. But did he lie awake in the early hours of Sunday morning wondering how on earth he'd pay for them without the budget heading back into deficit? About the hugely optimistic forecasts of the economy's early return to strong growth used to bolster his economic record? about the requirement that there be zero real growth in government spending per person over the next four years. Morrison has no policy to control electricity prices, no convincing policy on climate change, no policy to halt the rising cost of health insurance, no policy response to any downturn in the economy, no solution to cost of living pressures, and no plan to increase wages except yet more waiting. The day may come when he decides that winning the election was the easy bit. Oof. And so, we might as well leave it there on yep. that, uh, that bleak little note. Super bleak. Love it. Everything sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yep. Don't know what to Everything tell you this week, and folks. will not get better anytime soon because everyone, a significant portion of Australia thinks that everything is mostly fine and that's the way it's yep. going to go on for at least three years. I, th- I think there is a real problem in Australia of something. Things don't need to be addressed until they're affecting you personally. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. So I wish I could tell people, you know, go and join the Labour Party and make a difference and tell them which policies that you vote for. But it doesn't work like that. <laughs> uh, doesn't work like that. They They have a big show of that. The rank and file members get to vote for stuff. But the things that you get to vote on are determined by the senior leadership before it ever gets to that point. So, you know, try try that path if you like. Try joining a party and putting yourself through the mill and getting churned out the other side. It's just another piece of the sausage that has to toe the line and not make any waves. You too could be Ged Kearney. You too could lead a life of championing the rights of asylum seekers um, just to get into the Labour Party where you can really make a difference and then vote in line with continuing to not examine the Malaysia policy. Hmm. That could Sounds be good. That could be your life. Do we have anything positive to end on? I got nothing. Um, hmm. uh, the Greens did retain all their seats in the Senate. So they will yeah, have a significant balance them. of power. That's nice. Good on them. Everybody's mad at them, but good on them. Good for them. I was seeing like on the ABC News um, site, they've got all their trending stories and it's sort of like, you know, uh, this seat and that analysis and what have you. Uh, and I felt like right at the very end, there was one that, that maybe uh, spoke to a few of our listeners. Um what does it mean to be a demisexual? And are you one? 
So maybe uh, if that interests you, check it out. Um, they're people that have big brains, by the way, and their mm. brains are directly connected to their uh, gentle bits. So, mm. Well, I'm going to have to read this to figure out how it's uh, different from what I am, a sapiosexual. Um, a sapiosexual... If you know so the difference. difference. <laughs> 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 oh, see, I've, I've, betrayed, I've betrayed the truth here. If I was a real sapiosexual, I'd be smart enough to know the difference between the two. And I'd, <laughs> and I'd find it sexy that I did. Mm. Mm, you're right <sighs> that'll do us for this week folks uh, sorry that it's a bummer but that's the way it goes sometimes um, as always you can get an extra bonus episode every week if you would like to by subscribing over on patreon.com forward slash Vista um, you can I guess see me get blackout drunk and writhe around on the floor like a dirty piggy over at twitch.tv forward slash Vista. Mm. And yeah, thanks to thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for your support. I'm assuming you all voted the correct way, but it didn't help. And here we are. Thanks for trying. Cheers. Thanks for trying. And let me just say you on behalf, you did your best. <laughs> you did your best, and it wasn't good <laughs> enough. And let me just say on behalf of the whole podcast, we love you, Tony. <laughs> so, we love you, Tony. Tony, we love you.